0: This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. With me by phone is a guest I'm really excited to have uh, with us today. Hannah Smith is Senior Counsel with the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. She's with us today because she will be one of the speakers at the FAIR Conference on Thursday and Friday, August 7th and 8th. If you'd like more information about that, go to fairmormon.org and check out the conference and the speakers and sign up. It's absolutely open to anyone Hannah Smith graduated from Princeton and then got her law degree from BYU. She clerked for Chief Justice, well, I shouldn't say Chief Justice, for U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and also Samuel Alito. And she has been involved in a number of uh, important cases, the most recent of which is the Hobby Lobby case. Welcome to Religion Today on KSL.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. Everyone is going to uh, be thrilled to hear from somebody who was actually involved in the Hobby Lobby case, because, you know, you can talk to 10 people about what that case means, and you'll probably get 10 different answers, some of which are completely um, mutually exclusive or close. So what, from your standpoint, what, does the Hobby Lobby decision
1: really mean? Well, it's a really important case. It was decided under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which is a very important federal law that was passed about 20 years ago with overwhelming bipartisan support. Uh, And the law basically says that the federal government cannot put a substantial burden on religious exercise. And if it does so, it has to show that it has a compelling government interest and that that interest uh, is furthered by the least restrictive means possible to that religious exercise. So all that is to say that the federal government has to be super careful in what it does when it gets around religious activity. And here in this case, the federal government had passed this mandate uh, that required employers to cover about 20 different contraceptives. In the Hobby Lobby case, the Green family only objected to four of those. Plan B, the morning after pill, Ella, the week after pill, and two forms of IUDs, which they felt acted as a board of patients in uh, terminating an embryo before it was implanted. And so the Greens brought their case uh, challenging this mandate in federal court. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and on the last day of the term, uh, on June 30th, we received a very important ruling, a 5-4 to four decision, authored by my former boss, uh, Justice Alito, uh, where the court said that, A, uh, for-profit uh, business, like the Green Family's Hobby Lobby, which is a closely held corporation, that that is a person under RIFRA, that they can bring this lawsuit under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, uh, that for-profit businesses are merely the vehicle through which individuals um, organize their activities. And so they have the right to sue, and then under the Act on the Merit, the court said there was a substantial burden here. The the government is forcing them to choose between this religious exercise and these crushing fines. And um, this mandate is not the least restrictive means. There are other ways that the government could have gone about uh, furthering its interests here, uh, it could have paid for this itself, and it shouldn't be forcing religious objectors to do so. And so it was a really important decision, and we're very grateful for the outcome in that case.
0: One of the huge criticisms that's often often brought up, and then we'll move directly to your topic for the for the fair conference, is that oh, this is uh, preposterous. Corporations, even closely held ones, meaning small corporations usually owned by a family or often owned by a family are not people and they can't have a religious belief, which is nonsense. Tell our listeners why.
1: Well, it was very clear in the court's opinion, uh, Justice Alito said, that you know corporations, especially like in this case, closely held corporations, are merely the vehicle through which their owners organize their activities and are able to interact in the marketplace and the court was very clear that this is not an aberration. we treat corporations as persons in many other areas of the law. Um, so finding that the hobby lobby and the green family here um, finding that their their corporation is covered by rifra is not an all an outlier in this case. There are many other areas of the law where corporations are treated as persons, and so it just made sense in this case where the Green family's religious beliefs were so significantly burdened by this government mandate, it made sense that the court said uh, Hobby Lobby is covered and, and they can go forward and sue under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Um, and, and that just makes a lot of intuitive sense.
0: It, it does because th- this is not an aberration and people who own c- corporations don't lose their ability to uh, express their, Religious freedoms, just because they happen to be doing it uh, in connection with a the business they own. So,
1: well, that's exactly right. And there, are, I, I might add, there are many other um, nonprofit organizations that are currently challenging the mandate in the lower courts. Those are religious ministries that are usually organized under the nonprofit um, uh, statutes, and and those cases are going forward. The Little Sisters of the Poor, for example, is a group of nuns that care for the elderly poor and they are still challenging this mandate in the lower courts. Uh, The Supreme Court actually gave them some relief earlier this year, told them they didn't have to sign this form, that the government was making them sign, that the the nuns felt made them complicit in abortion. Uh, So The Supreme Court has already actually uh, given them some relief um, in that regard, but we're still fighting this mandate in the lower courts on behalf of several nonprofit organizations, and of course the government doesn't contest that the nonprofit organizations don't have rights and yet they're not a human person either so the court actually noted that in Hobby Lobby and, and noted the contradiction in the government's position that why well, you say that nonprofit organizations are persons but not for profit and why is that that's just not consistent so <laughs> now we have a ruling in Hobby Lobby that says that yes both nonprofit and for profit corporations are indeed um, able to, to fight these uh, issues in the court under RIFRA.
0: So, fabulous win. Um, congratulations. You, Thank are, you very much. You're welcome. So You are speaking at the FAIR Conference, and for our listeners who, who may have just joined us, uh, Hannah Smith is Senior Counsel at the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. She'll be speaking at the Thursday and Friday, August 7th and 8th FAIR Conference in Utah, actually, in uh, in Utah County in Orem, and anyone is welcome. You can sign up online or get more information online. The topic of your address is religious liberty. What Latter Day Saints need to know to preserve our religious freedom. Uh, God, there's no problem with religious freedom these days, is there? <laughs> Um, obviously there are huge problems hence hence your talk. What are the main problems that people need to worry about?
1: Well, there's several different areas where we see um, real attacks on religious liberty, and I might add at the beginning here, for those of your listeners who are of the LDS faith, I think we've really seen a lot of emphasis by the members of the Church leadership on defending religious freedom um, in the last several years. I think the Church leadership is recognizing what a significant issue this is and has put a lot of resources into talking about it over the pulpit and certainly the Public Affairs Department and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has devoted a lot of energy to coming up with some really very powerful tools um, to educate people about why religious liberty is so important. So I would urge your listeners to go to the LDS Church's newsroom to look under their Religious Freedom page. There's a whole bunch of wonderful resources there, talks, videos, Facebook page, other resources where people can really educate themselves on this issue and why it's so important. But there are a lot of different areas where we're seeing um, attacks on religious liberty. Um, Certainly the HHS mandate is a really important one right now, and as I said, those cases are still going on in the lower courts. Um, some other areas where we see a lot of this um, happening is in the public square. Uh, you know, um, atheist groups and uh, groups like the American Humanist Association and others, um, Freedom from uh, Religion Foundation, Foundation, and others uh, hold, challenging. Hold yeah, that thought. challenging. Uh,
0: hold that. Hold that thought. The the clock waits for no one. We'll be right back with more from. Hannah Smith, right after this, stay tuned. We return to Religion Today with Martin Tanner on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. With me today as a guest is Hannah Smith, Senior Counsel at the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. She will be speaking at the August 7th and 8th Fair Conference about religious liberty, what we need to know to preserve our religious freedom. And, Hannah, we sort of had an abrupt ending there, for which I apologize. Finish up with, with your response. We'd love to hear the answer.
1: Sure, no problem at all. So, um, you know, some of these secularist organizations that challenge religious symbols in the public square, um, crosses and and statues of religious symbols and that sort of uh, thing, Um So that's an area of concern. We also see some other cases involving conscience rights. Uh, These are specifically um, religious pharmacists who have an objection to dispensing um, abortifacient drugs. We have a case right now in Washington that's still ongoing in that regard. Land use cases, uh, you know, members of the church are familiar with these kinds of cases, but they affect people of other faiths as well, um, being able to utilize property, being able to purchase property, being able to expand property. Uh, we actually had a recent case involving a uh, Muslim mosque in Tennessee um, that was a really significant case out there. Um, and then also, of course, um, a recent case that we uh, took to the Supreme Court, uh, the Hosanna Tabor case. and. 2012, which dealt with the ministerial exception and um, the ability of churches to choose their own leaders free uh, from government intervention. That case was a great success, a 9-0 victory, but there's still some issues involving another Supreme Court case called Christian Legal Society, which uh, didn't turn out so great. We weren't involved in that case, but basically the um, ability of students in religious organizations on campuses around the country being restricted in their ability to choose uh, the officers that would run their organization. Those sorts of issues are, are very real. Um, they're ongoing around the country, and there are all kinds of cases that we litigate on these issues. And so we'll be talking about those at the FAIR Conference and, and just talking generally about the doctrine of religious freedom and why it's so important and what LDS folks need to know so that they can stand up for this first freedom.
0: If, if somebody... Um, were to, rele- to to read jefferson 's freedom uh, now now it 's escaped me Jeff, jefferson 's um, uh, bill that that he for religious freedom that he passed in in Virginia before actually the the uh, uh, bill of rights was passed it, it was basically about toleration and that was important because there was so little toleration in some ways back then. I mean, Baptists couldn't hold public office in Virginia. You know, if you were Jewish, you had problems uh, in New York that that were of the same way. And then there was, for a long, long time, essentially great religious freedom. And then since the the '60s, there have been huge assaults on religious freedom. And if you were to ask the Freedom From Religion Foundation uh, or, or most people on the street to say, God, what does the Constitution really say about religion? You, you might get some comment like, well, uh, churches have to be separate from the government and they can't be involved at all. And not only that, uh, religion and religious people can't do anything that might make uh, the rest of us Feel uncomfortable. I mean, how did we get to this situation? It is so, so very bizarre. I mean, maybe I've mischaracterized it a bit, but that seems to be in some ways where we find ourselves.
1: Well, I think you make an important point, and that is that, you know, the history of our country really does uh, reflect a great deal of pluralism in religion and in religious practice, and a great deal of respect for for tolerating uh, other religious faiths. And so that's the history of our country. That is the roots from which our uh, culture has grown. And I think it's really important for people to remember that our founding fathers um, did contemplate a, a country that was rich in religious exercise. After all, that's why they used the word exercise in the Constitution. They didn't say freedom of belief. They didn't say freedom of worship. They said free exercise of religion. And the exercise of religion contemplates a much broader Uh, range of activities than merely going to church on Sunday and being able to worship in your own home in private, in your own private sphere. It means that religion has to and must, in fact, be involved in the public square, that religion is an important part of a thriving democracy. And our Founding Fathers understood that, and the further we have strayed from that understanding, I think the worse our culture has, has gotten. And so I think what we really strive to do at the Beckett Fund is to remind people what free exercise means, that it really involves and contemplates a much broader category of activities than merely going to church on Sunday.
0: It, it so much does. And for people who think that uh, somehow religion must be curtailed under the First Amendment, which which is sort of the idea that, that you get uh, from a lot of the court decisions, you and I were talking off the air about um some of the cases involving crosses that people want removed from different lands and and so forth, that's almost the contrary. I mean, mean, the day the First Amendment was enacted, uh, Congress also provided that they would open and close Congress with prayer by paid chaplains. I mean, that doesn't sound like a group that wanted religion completely out of government either, although we certainly didn't want a church church. Religion.
1: Well, that's right, and there was actually a very important case of the Supreme Court this term as well. It was decided just a couple weeks before the Hobby Lobby decision, and it was called the Town of Greece case, and it involved legislative prayer. And in fact, in uh, the majority opinion, the court uh, reaffirmed um, this very long-standing principle um, in our nation's history uh, that legislative prayer is perfectly consistent with the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. And, you know, it reaffirmed principles that it had discussed in an earlier case, in uh, the Marsh case. Um, and, you know, basically said that uh, town legislatures were free to open their sessions with uh, prayer. Um, and so, you know, I think that... People fundamentally misunderstand, or perhaps confuse, um, what the Establishment Clause really means if they don't look at the underpinnings of our history and what our nation was founded upon. And you know, the court um, really went into that with in some depth in the Town of Greece case this term, and, and reaffirmed those, those um, foundational principles from our country's beginning.
0: So tell, tell our listeners, and maybe we should have done this at the beginning instead of the end, but uh, you're with the Beckett Fund for Religious Freedom. What does the Beckett Fund do? Describe the Beckett Fund.
1: Sure. The Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty is a nonprofit uh, law firm that litigates solely cases involving religious freedom. And so we are um, in Washington, D.C., and we uh, represent people of all faiths, from, we like to say, Anglicans to Zoroastrians. We represent everyone, because we have a fundamental belief that um, we need to defend religious freedom for people of all faiths, not just for Christians, not just for Jews, but for everyone, and that we need to be... um, preserving that right for others, because as soon as someone else loses their faith, their, their right to, to freely exercise their faith, you know, you'll be next. And so we have to really defend everyone um, in order to preserve this freedom for everyone. Um, and so we have cases around the country. Uh, we have cases right now uh, involving the HHS mandate. We have cases involving Blaine amendments uh Uh, We have cases involving uh, religious symbols and conscience rights and land use issues and uh, all sorts of issues that are being litigated right now around the country.
0: I wanted to point that out because someone hears the Beckett Fund and they may not instantly think of that as being a law firm. And and so I thought that was important to point out.
1: Yes. Actually, if you want to go to our website, it's www.becketfund.org and that's with one T, beckettsfund.org. And you can look at all of the interesting cases that we're covering. Um, we have a lot of great um, informational pieces on our blog that our lawyers write about uh, issues about religious freedom. So it's a great website, and I would encourage your listeners to go and visit it.
0: Well, Hannah Smith, it has been a delight to have you on Religion Today, and uh, we look forward to your address very much at, at the FAIR Conference. For those
1: Thank who,
0: you so much for having me. Oh, it's my, my absolute pleasure. For, for those who are interested in the FAIR Conference, check it out
1: at fairmormon.org. This podcast was used with the permission of Martin Tanner and KSL Radio. You can also find information about our conference by doing a Google search for 2014 Fair Mormon Conference, or leave a reply in the comment section of this podcast. Thanks for listening.